How precious, right? Maybe there are things in your life that you think at this time need to be made new. There's always things like that in our lives, right? Our choice. In this moment and every moment is whether we'll surrender them to the Lord and ask them to make them new. He's our great and awesome God. He is holy.
be with you, Lord. Did you have a good retreat? I heard it was really bad. <laughs> All right. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks and praise on this night. Just bringing us, Lord God, into the fellowship, Lord Jesus, where we can just come and worship you. Lord God, we can come and sit at your feet. And Lord God, focus our eyes and our ears upon your word. And Lord God, may we hear your voice speaking into our lives tonight. And Lord God, where we can intercede, where we can pray, Lord, not only for ourselves, but Lord God, for our loved ones, for Lord God, for the world that's in great turmoil right now. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit just fall upon us fresh, Lord God. Give us a fresh filling, Lord God. You know, we, we come to you, Lord God, sometimes with, with old wineskins. Lord, we need to put on new ones. And we pray that you would just pour out your new wine into our lives and give us just that, that freshness, Lord God, that change, that transformation, that metamorphosis, Lord God, that your word promises. We pray this, Lord God, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, kids, let me tell you, I just want to ask you, you guys love going in there before service and playing, right? I think that you'd rather some, some Wednesdays just to be able to play the whole time. And is that true? Tell you what we should do, what we should do, we should have it. Maybe take, take a Friday night, get a few parents, and just have a night where the kids can come. And they can, we can do like basketball, we can do killer ball. You guys like killer ball? Look, look. And we could have some fun, okay? So maybe we should think, we should think about that. That's something we can do. You want to play killer ball? Oh, oh, Gloria said she'll be the pin. Grandma will be the pin for killer ball. <laughs> okay, go kids, go. If you weren't here Sunday, I encourage you listen to the message that was given on Sunday about the cross. And we're going to be going to part two uh, next week. But um, tonight I want to talk to you about God's plan. And we're going to go to Numbers chapter 14, 39 through 45. Stand with me for the reading of the word. The word of our Lord. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain saying, here we are. And we will go up to the place which the Lord had promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. 
For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. Heavenly Father, we pray this night, Lord God, you have a plan, Lord God, for us. You have a plan for each and every one of us, Lord God. And Lord God, when we get in tune with you, when, Lord God, we get in step with you, when we are walking close with you, Lord God, you will lead us, Lord God, into that plan, through that plan, to the desired places that you would have us to be. I pray tonight, Lord God, let us learn, Lord God, how to really tune in to your plan, Lord, and be led by you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So to give you the background of, of where we are here, God gave Israel a plan to conquer the promised land, to be victorious in the promised land. They rejected the plan of God and they rebelled against God's plan. And then God spoke words of judgment over them upon Israel and upon the ten cowardly spies who came back and gave a bad report. But here in this passage in verse 39 through 45 of Numbers 14, they decided to do it their way. They decided, and you notice in verse 44, I put it in red, they presumed. It's not good to presume. And they ended up getting whooped and defeated right, by the Amalekites and the Canaanites. So just to give you a, a, a little bit of a, a background here, in Numbers 13, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders, which I am giving to the Israelites, there is God's plan. God's plan was to give them the land. That is what God had promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to the twelve right sons of Jacob, Israel, that he is going to give them the promised land. I want to show you the plan that God laid out for Israel of how to take the promised land. And he laid it out very carefully. Go all the way back to Exodus 27, verse 33. This is just a, a short time before we are here in Numbers. This isn't years before. This is a short time. God, you know, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, and um, in just a couple of following chapters, he gives them these instructions. So he says, I will send my fear before you, and I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come. And will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. And I will send hornets. Some people, that, that may be literal hornets. Sometimes it's used for some type of warrior angels. There's a lot of different um, ideas about what that means. But I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite before you. I will drive them out from before you in one year. Notice this, it's going to take one year lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become tumorous for you. Little by little, again, notice God's plan, little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, uh, Philistia, and from the desert, of the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. Notice he's sending here these hornets, but yet they still have a responsibility to drive out the people. God is going to be fighting with them, and essentially for them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. You shall not dwell in the land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, there will surely be a snare to you. So again, right there, that is the plan that God has for them. 
It's going to be little by little over the course of a year. You're going to drive out all the people of the promised land. So he had a, a plan. I want to read to you Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3 in the TLB version. It says, any enterprise is built by wise planning. Becomes strong through common sense. And profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. I just want to say this. The Israelites, when we go back to the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers, they were not in a place of wise planning. They were not using common sense. And they were not keeping abreast of the facts. And I mean, God laid these things out very carefully for them. said, don't go up and do it. You've rebelled. You're going to go into the desert. You're going to wander for 40 years. And all of you older folks are going to die there. Your children are the ones who are going to actually enter into the promised land. Again, he laid it out. But they rejected. Again, they rejected these very simple facts that the Lord laid out for them. And again, they got whooped. I think when we, when we are not in tune with God's plan, that is something that happens to us. We step out of his will. And suddenly we find ourselves taking a beat. So here, here is what I want to focus on. Again, God's plan. Jesus had a plan. As we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, right? he reiterated that plan over and over again. He came to die. He came to go up to Jerusalem where he was going to be betrayed, where he was going to be handed into the hands of the Gentiles. He would be beaten. He would be scourged. He would be crucified. And on the third day, he would be risen, raised from the dead. Paul had a plan. Paul's plan is laid out very you know, carefully. You see it in the epistles and you see it in the book of Acts. It was to go to Asia Minor. Then it was to go to Greece and bring the gospel to Greece. Then it was to go to bring the gospel to Italy. And then to bring the gospel to Spain. You see the, the, the dissension in the, the Jerusalem council. In Acts chapter 15. James, the brother of the Lord, half-brother of the Lord, the leader of the church at that time, had a plan. So just simply, you see the people in Scripture, they had plans. We should have plans. Fear the saying, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. So I want to I look at some key things here about God's plan. The first, in seeking God's plan, you know, you're seeking His counsel. God has a plan for your life. In my 20s, I was in the fitness business, and I was a competitive bodybuilder. And um, my plan was to go on and build my businesses and to become a successful national world bodybuilding championship. And that wasn't God's plan for me. God's plan wasn't that I would build my body. God's plan was that I would build the body of Christ. And I needed to seek Him. I needed to seek Him to discover that plan. To continue to seek Him to deploy that plan. And to develop that plan. So in Isaiah chapter 30 verse 1 it says, Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. So the warning here is, they're taking counsel, but it's not of God. Their plans are not of the spirit of God. They're, they're essentially, they're listening to people. And their plans are being driven by people. Their, their plans are being driven by, by greed, by selfishness, by fear. Their plans are being driven by the things that are not of God. You know, when, when God called me to be a pastor, again, He had a plan for me. And when He called me to be a pastor, there were people who said, you'll never be a pastor. It's hard to be a pastor. You're a gym owner. 
You're a bodybuilder. You'll, you'll never be. And these, these were the people in our inner circle. Our, our fellow believers. These are were our Bible study people. And they were actually, at least by age, they were in the Lord longer than we were. Though I'm not quite sure their maturity in the Lord was greater than ours at that time. We were new believers, but they were, you know, you ever meet some Christians, they're dizzy, and they were dizzy. In fact, one of them, I used to argue with him, he did not believe Jesus was God. And uh, he would mock me, like, how could you possibly believe that Jesus is, he would laugh at me when I affirmed to him, and I think that was one of the first doctrines that I began to passionately proclaim that Jesus is God in the form of man, the great I am, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But when I laid out that plan, again, they, 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 they mocked it. Our goals and plans should be directed and ordered by the Lord. See, David had a plan to build the temple, but that wasn't God's plan. He said, you're a man, you're a man who has blood. You've, you've shed much blood. And it was God's plan that Solomon would be the builder of the temple. So when again, when it, when it comes to the plan of God, you must seek him. It's, and it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. You have to, you have to be diligent in seeking the Lord. It's, it's, it's about discovery I'll give you three, those three Ds, discovery, development, right, and deployment of, of God's plan. I think a lot of people are too lazy to do that, and then they settle for the yapping that's going on around them. I'm thankful that I didn't with my calling and with the planting of, of this church. Second is God's plan, we need to take time to prayerfully plan. So I'm going to read to you from Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, in the uh, New Living Translation. I think I've said to you, the New Living Translation, I read it in the morning, still totally committed to the New King James Version. Uh, I've read through the scriptures, through Hebrew, through Greek, you know, many other translations to the years. I really enjoy the New Living Translation. And I don't know, if you're looking for something to really kind of just, it, I, I find it, it, it excites me. I'm still comparing the passages you know, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always going back to the Hebrew and Greek, but I, I just really have found it incredibly exciting. I read six chapters each morning and um, just really enjoy it. So in, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, it says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So, so you know, again, good planning, it, it must be done prayerfully has to be done carefully. You, you have to really be focused on the planning. It, it, takes, it takes, you know, the word here, hard work. Notice the word. Good planning and hard work. They, they kind of, they go together. You have to, you know, put them together. And that's a, you know, that's a, you know, a, a, a key thing. We're, we're, and some of you may be aware of this, some of you are not, we're basically converting the rock center right now. So you see, it was painted. And a number of careful steps. We're in the process now of the company that we're, I'm just on the verge right now of bringing in here. They're going to do all the, the sound, you know, the soundboarding. So it doesn't sound like you're in a, you know, in Tito's drum there when we're in there doing a fellowship. And then we want to create, we want to create a fellowship hall that people on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights can be in there. I mean, Olive does such great things, you know, with providing coffee and cake and pizza and all this other stuff, but we want to set it up where people can come in and you could sit down, you could fellowship, you could build relationships with people and, and utilize it more. It doesn't mean that it won't be used as a gym. It still will be used as a gym. It's certain nice. We want to make it so that we can break it down. But it will, that, that will be a major thing that we're doing on... Wednesday and on Sundays and then with, with fellowships as well. Now, you know, again, you, there's a plan. We could take hasty shortcuts. I want to tell you this. I could get that done by Friday. I can get it done by Friday. I, I know that I can move that, you know, that fast. But it will be hasty. And I'll probably make a bunch of decisions that we later regret and it's going to cost us more to, uh, to do it right. 
So you, you know, you, you're, you're planning, but you don't want to be hasty. Again, you, you want to be prayerful and careful with your plans. I'm talking about big plans here. So just I'm talking about, are we going to go to Dairy Queen for ice cream or Baskin Robbins? Which one? I mean, you're going to spend, I'm just, I'm talking about, you know, these are, these are big decisions. These are life decisions. Number three, God's plan, seek God's inspiration. God is a wonderful God who inspires us. In fact, you know, if you look at the word inspiration, break it down. What, is it, what does it say? In, in spirit. In spirit, to be in spirit, to be inspired. So Proverbs 16.3, commit your works, okay, and I put, I inserted plans, commit the things that you are seeking to do to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Notice that again, your, your thoughts. When we commit our plans to the Lord, we'll find that God inspires. He inspires our thought. He infuses them with creativity, Every message that you hear from me in the pulpit, I make a commitment, starts with a commitment to preach from Numbers chapter 14, a commitment to preach on Sunday from, from Mark chapter 15. So I make, I make that commitment. And as I begin to go into the Word, I want to I say this to you. It's a dry skeleton. It's a dry skeleton. And there, there isn't that, you see the enthusiasm and excitement that I bring when I preach the word. But what happens is, as I continue to study the word, as I continue to seek the Lord, as I pray for Lee, you know, literally it go by, you know, through it, I look at the context. I'm, I'm studying it and I'm looking at the, you know, the word, the words, the Greek words, the Hebrew words. And as I go through it, the Holy Spirit, what he starts to do, we call it fleshing it out. This, this dry skeleton begins to develop ligaments and tendons and then muscles appear. And then there, there's skin on it. And, and suddenly this, this skeleton becomes like just filled with life. And I'm telling you, by the time I get to preaching the word, I am so excited to come here and give you the word on a Wednesday night or on a, or on a Sunday. And I'll tell you, I can't remember the last time I was not filled with enthusiasm to deliver the word of God. And that is it just in a good, but that, that is the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He, he, inspi- he inspires us. And He inspires, again, He inspires our thoughts. It's an amazing, you know, thing. I see, I say this to some of you, I see Bible studies being taught in the church, and people are using, and book from an author to teach it. And I'm not against reading books. Come into my studies. I've read, I've read many books. And maybe I'm, I'm on a passage and I'll read books. But I, I don't go to books and then get a sermon. I go to the Word of God. You know, it's, it's really wonderful that there are 66 books here that, that cover everything you need for your spiritual walk. And so I, I see people digging, they're digging into, you know, books. Written. And again, I think it's good as a teacher to be reading those books. You may, you may gleam, okay, some, some very important things, okay, from those books. But the Word of God is, is totally efficient to be able to teach people. And that, that, that you know, so I, I know there, there was one church that um, I, I knew of, the pastor basically stopped teaching the word and he just started teaching books and the church just slowly dwindled and died. You know, he'd stand up and he would say, well, we're gonna, today we're going to be in, you know, chapter one of so-and-so's book and he would be teaching from the book instead of teaching from the books, <laughs> the books of the word of God. Because they're, again, totally, and, and again, look, if you're, if you're into a book, Good, use it. Gleam, gleam things. I've, I've gleamed great things. Sometimes, you know, if I'm, if I'm in a, if I'm in a chapter, 
and maybe it's on the resurrection, I may grab some books off my bookshelf and I may go through them on the resurrection. But my, my word, the, the message is coming from the word of God. And again, and God, that's what's inspired. The, 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 the books written by authors are not inspired. It's the, it's the scriptures, the 66 books written over the course of 2,000 years by the 39 authors. This is the inspired word of God. Why would you go and rely on something outside of the word of God? I don't, I don't understand it. It, it, it's, it. It's confusing. to Maybe it's just the easy way for people, right? It's kind of the lazy way. There's, there's a, a preacher down in Georgia. He has an entire curriculum of sermons for the entire year. And the pastor in the church, they buy them. And it, it, it actually, they tell the pastor when to raise his voice and to lower his voice. I mean, it's really, it's really comical of this is what the church has come to. Have, have pastors become so lazy, and I believe, again, we are in the church of Laodicea of the last days. And complacency and laziness and pride rule the church. And so, again, here are pastors who are relying on, I mean, it's, it's literally like reading an, an, an actor's script for a Hollywood play. And it's, it's sad. Where, where is the inspiration? Where is that, that inspiration that comes from God? That is, that, I mean, that literally is so exciting and so thrilling when God gives you that message. But again, you have, you have to work through it. And it takes effort. And sometimes with, it, with a sermon like this, it could take weeks. I'm usually two weeks ahead in studies, continuously just flowing through. Wait until you hear my message next Wednesday. Because I'll tell you, I was working on it today. And I'm filled, I could have preached it tonight. But I know that God, he still has some flesh to put on it. And it was just, it's, it's a thrilling message. You'll be thrilled. It's a thrilling message. So you seek the inspiration of your thoughts, of your ideas, through the Spirit for your plan. Here's, here's the fourth. God's plan, get wise counsel about your plans. So in, in Proverbs 15, 22, chapter 20, verse 18, without counsel, plans go array. Uh, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Prepare plans by consultation. Get wise counsel. Be careful at avoid foolish counsel. Just be careful. Very grateful that when the early days of Living Word, we had wonderful mentors and counselors. I just say this, I see young men who are wandering around without, without a mentor in their life. Dallas Mucci planted over 100 churches in the New York area and churches in Pakistan. So my mentor, uh, Reverend Scott was with us for a while. He planted over 40 churches. Ken Jones, he, plant, he planted hundreds of churches throughout South America and Paraguay. These were, were men who were involved with us in the ministry, and they were, they were mentors. And to have, to have mentors like that, and you could go to them, and, and I, could, I could get counsel from them. Wise counsel. And I think that when, when God, and, you know, here I am, I'm going to plant a church, in Dumont, New Jersey. And again, there were people who discouraged me from doing that, discouraged us from doing that. There were people who were saying, oh, no, 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 don't, you know, don't, don't go there. And, and then there were people who told us, you're, you know, planting churches is hard. Most of them fail. And it's true. Most of them do fail. They said, go, go take a church. There, you know, go and pastor, you know, a church that's already established. There are churches that need pastors. But I got, I got good counsel. And, and that counsel was, was, you know, again, it, it was inspirational through the spirit that came through these men of God. And it got it. So when, you, when you're in that, you know, you're in that place of really getting in tune with God's plan, get counsel. And again, beware of foolish counsel because we, we got a lot of foolish counsel from people. I've had, I've had people come in here. I mean, some of the crazy, crazy things 
that people have come and told me of, you know, the way they, the church should go or where I should, uh, crazy stuff. And, and it comes, it comes, it comes frequently, just be careful. Because there, there is a lot, there's a lot of foolishness outside the church and in the church. Lead people astray. Number, number five, write down your plan. I want to read to you from Habakkuk chapter 2. How many of you, Habakkuk is your favorite book? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 4. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Write it down. God gives to you a plan. God gives to you a vision. Put it, put it in writing. He says, make it plain on tablets. Make it plain. Make it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't write 50 pages. You'll never be able to focus on 50. Just, just uh, it could be a simple paragraph. I began to uh, understand the importance of writing down the goals that I felt God was placing before me and, um, and having a plan attached to them in 1984. It was interesting. I, I wrote down a number of goals during that time. I continued to year by year, but one day I was, I was digging through some boxes with, you know, do you have boxes? Like that? I, sometimes I have too many boxes in my office. And I was digging through the boxes from that year, 1984, and I found, I found the goal sheet. And, and on the goal sheet, I'm going to read to you the goals that I, I had set out, uh, I'm sorry, it was 1986, this was in 1992, was to become ordained, which I was, to complete my bachelor's and then my master's degree, which I did, to start a church, which is what we did, um, to move into a bigger house. The kids were being added on and we were in a really tiny house and that was something that, again, that, that God provided. I had goals, there were goals about investing and saving, health and fitness, spiritual goals about my personal walk. Most of the time that's about letting things go and adding things on. Jesus increasing and me decreasing. And um, I accomplished them. They all were accomplished. And uh, I, I, when I write down goals, and if you look here, what it says is you, you make them plain on tablets. Why is it important to write it down? Because you'll forget. Tell people, write your goals down and keep them in front of you. They're godly goals. Things that God wants you to accomplish for yourself, for your ministry, for your family, for your career. And um, then it says that, that he may run who reads it. While it. What does that mean? It's going to inspire you to take action. You know, people who have no purpose, they, they don't move. Right? There's, there's nothing to get up in the morning to pursue. There's nothing that excites them. There's nothing that gets them, gets them juiced. I'll, I'll share this with you. There's, there's a simple, this is going beyond goals. I look at goals as stepping stones to fulfilling your mission or your vision. I have a, I have a mission in life. My mission is to know. That is the first, I have three-part mission, to know. And that is to know God. That is to know God and to know the purpose he has for me. The second is to grow. And that is to maximize the potential he's given me and become the man that he has created me to be. So to grow. And then the third is to sow. So as God, as God pours into me, it is to sow it into the lives of other people. So to, to know, to grow, to sow. That's what gets me up in the morning. I, I get up in the morning. It's exciting to get up to know God in a greater way. It's, it's exciting for me every day to grow. To grow spiritually. To grow psychologically, emotionally, physically. But to, to grow. And then to take what God has given me and to pour it into the lives of other people. Which is what I do you know, throughout the day. And that's, that is exciting. That, that, is, that is exciting for me. I see people, you know, they, they get up for all kinds of reasons or have a hard time getting up. 
that motivates me and inspires me to get up. It makes you run. Having, again, having that vision written down. Verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. The vision, again, inspires you. You know, great visions don't happen overnight. I'm seeing things happening in this church 30 years later that we sought to accomplish right at the beginning, the early days, with six people. It's not not merely talking about numbers. I'm talking about a, a quality of discipleship and worship that 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 we, we see happening here. So you know, again, when you have that vision, it gives you that that ability to to wait, to be patient. To see it again manifest. And it says, because it surely will come, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And, and, and faith again, that, that is belief. That is believing in the plan. That is believing that the plan will be fulfilled. That the goals will manifest. And when we started in those early days with nothing, I'll tell you, the handful of us, we had that faith. Believing, believing that what we see today, right, a building, a building that fills with people, that it would happen, that it would actually manifest. All right, number six. Embrace the three Ps for achieving a plan. I'll give you three Ps here. PPP. The first is patience. In Hebrews chapter 6, 11 through 12, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Patience. What is patience? It's the ability to wait. Listen to this. The ability to wait without losing heart, without complaining, and without becoming bored. Enduring. Enduring calmly. So a lot of people, you know, they, they, they look at it, patience. is an incredibly tough thing. You know, when, you, when you're patient, again, you're not going to lose heart. You're not going to quit. You're not going to complain. You're not going to get bored. Knowing that, again, God will fulfill the plan he's given to you. Second P, persistence. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, when he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. He talked about, right, the, the widow and the unjust judge. But essentially here, persistence, starting a church, growing a church. Being persistent through through the challenges, many challenges, many problems, many distractions, many fires, right? Fire starters. You see people, the fire starters come in and they start fires. Fakes, phonies, fools. Had a man, Diane knows this man, he tended here. We used to try to help he and his wife. They would fight with each other and think that they were almost ready to times to kill each other and we get the calls and have to run run down the road here to the house from from my house and they'd be fighting and the police would come I got to know the police in town very well from being there and these domestic violence but he he came here they split up and he came here a number of years later and he was in the hall and he says to me he goes she stabbed me in the back and I, I said to him, I said, what, she leave you? She hurt you? He goes, no. He lifts up his shirt. She stabbed him in the back five times. I'm going to lift up my shirt and show you the times I've gotten stabbed in the back. And I don't have the blood wounds. But how many times people that you trusted, people that you believed in, and people that you thought were with you, just can turn on you and stab you in the back. But you know, see, again, that's where, again, persistence, you, you, you persist on. I mean, there's times, Sue knows this. There were times, boy, let me tell you something. The devil came to me and he just said to me, go back in the fitness business. 
it's 10 times easier than building a church. I've always said, I think building businesses is easy. There's that, that the economic component, and again, the, 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 the whole motivation, okay, of, you know, people wanting or needing a, a, a specific, I think building a business is an easy thing. Building a church is not. You got, you got the enemy coming at you continuously. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, I mean, you need to be persistent to keep moving on. Last P, perseverance. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 4, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Perseverance is the ability to endure, to endure tough times, to endure hardships, and to keep on keeping on in spite of delays, in spite of discouragement, and in spite of difficulties. Those are the the, the three P's. So, again, God's plan, I think the the, the thing to walk away with, a key, key note here, is... A keynote, get in tune with God. So when, you, when, you're in, when you're in tune with God, you know what you're going you're gonna to find? You're going to march to the tune of a different drummer. You know that. If you're walking with the Lord, the people around you, they're, they're marching to the drummer of this world. He's, you know, he influences them. You know, they, I, I'll, I'll share something uh, Demons love to get inside of flesh. They love being in flesh. That's why I, I say to people, I think many people in leadership in this country are demonized. Or the, the murder of the unborn, the right now the destruction of children, and they're perverts. But the castration of little boys, the removal of the breast, the, the drugs, you know, it's, it's medical, you know, essentially castration. Um, they're so concerned about the people coming over the border. Those little kids coming over the border are being brought into sex trafficking by the hundreds. The pervert Americans, most of the men, taking these little children and putting them into these, these sex brothels. Little kids, little kids. But the politicians, they, they don't care. And I think it's, it's beyond them just being, you know, a political motivation. I believe the devil is, is inhabiting many of these people. I know when Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, you notice he'd go into a synagogue and all of a sudden he's casting out demons. Well, I think most of the people in there didn't know the guy was demon-possessed. Now, the demoniac with the legion of demons, he was, very, he, he was very evident that he had a whole lot of demons inside of him. But uh, I think the devil prefers to go incognito. He prefers not to be discovered. So, there, there, again, this is his world. For a time, he's the prince and power of the air. He is called three times, right, the ruler of this world, and he's called the God of this age. And again, when we give our lives to Christ, we should be in tune with the Lord and be marching again to the beat of a completely different drummer. Tuning in, right? Tuning in to the Lord. So I just want to say you, you, you make an investment of time and effort I think the most important investment you can make in this, in this life, you make an investment to get in tune with the Lord and to stay in tune with Him. Because again, these, these voices are going to come at you. And they're the, the, the voices of the Lord. And sometimes they look, they look very presentable, very acceptable. Sometimes they can be incredibly charismatic. But they're not of God. They're of the prince of the air. And then when you get in tune with, with the Lord, you'll walk with him. And I'll, I'll say this to you, it's not going to all be sunshine. Just if, if you don't say that, the, the health and prosperity gospel is, is so shallow and so false because it gives this impression 
that you come to Jesus, your teeth are going to be brighter, you're going to be wealthier, you're never going to get sick. Look at the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts and what they had to endure. <laughs> Look at Paul and what he had to do. So it's all not going to be sunny days. There's going to be days. You're going to have days up on the mountaintop of sunshine, but then you're going to have days down in the valley with the demons. And you're going to be fighting again, fighting the good fight. So there, there will be joy when you're in tune with him. And that, and that joy will transcend the things that are going on around you. But there will still be days where you will mourn. There will be days when you grieve. There are going to be days when you hurt in your heart. And that's, that's what it is to walk with Jesus. And that's what it's been for every great saint for the last 2,000 years. Right there from the apostles. Right there from Paul. And you know, you, you, you want to read great books to be inspired? Read about them. but be in tune with him and be in step with him. And he will guide you in that plan. Amen? Okay, worship team. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the inspiration. Thank you, Lord God, for the joy of just being able to teach and preach the word, Lord Jesus, and the privilege of, Lord God, that is very great. And I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, this message would sink into people's hearts. Lord, that they would truly seek you, discover that, that plan that you have for them, develop it, deploy it. And, Lord God, may it bring them blessing, may it bring others blessing, but, Lord, may it bring you blessing. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Precious. You are the God.